never stop, never stop working. Never stop, never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Never stop, you never stop working. Never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Never stop, you never stop working. Oh 
morning church how is everybody stand with me I want to lead us in a moment of prayer and then let's worship our God together stand with me God we thank you for who you are we thank you for the message of salvation through Christ our Lord and Savior and God I pray nothing more nothing more that our hearts would be transformed that we would see you in all your glory for who you really are that we would be able to sing with the saints glory hallelujah and Father, I pray that you would continue to turn our hearts back to you, that the lost will be found, the broken will be healed, and all things your name will be made much of in this place today. We love you and we thank you. In Christ's name, amen. Let's sing. Let's celebrate.
Come like the fire 
mighty to save. Jesus, our Lord, we celebrate you today.
be seated, church. And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth laying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now, it was just another evening, except for the angels. You see, we shepherds, we don't have a whole lot of excitement. And that angel came right up to us, so bright, so beautiful. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Dave, you've been out here in the pasture too long. And I had that same exact thought until the angel spoke. Don't be afraid. And I yelled back, it's too late. Then the angel said, I bring you good news of great joy that shall be for all people. For tonight in the city of David is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And you shall find him wrapped in cloth, lying in a manger. Now go and find him. And one of the other shepherds yelled back, What are we waiting for? So we hightailed it out of that pasture and went straight to the city of Bethlehem and found that beautiful baby boy. Now, I haven't been the same man since that night. God chose me. No one had ever chose me. And I'll never forget what that angel said. For all that meant me, too. Go get them, girl. Child is born. He 
lead busy lives, but if we could just stop everything and take a bird's eye view, a little higher, there, now we can see the multitudes. We are fueled by a shared vision to bring the name of Christ to those who have yet to hear. So we move forward to extreme places, corners of the world that have no access to the gospel, 
We train missionaries, send them out together, and pray that God's grace be known. We help the hurting, comfort the dying, give hope to the displaced, and have seen thousands come to faith in Christ. We're able to do so much more together than if we were chasing this vision alone. This is our common effort, together. Well, welcome to you all. If you're new with us here today, my name is Brad. I'm the pastor here at Southview. It's so good to have you with us. During the month of November, we take time to focus specifically on uh, an international missions offering that we take up. We're a Southern Baptist congregation, and that mission offering is called the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. We do it every year, and you are so generous with your giving with that, and I just want to thank you for years previous, and I know by faith that you're going to be generous again this year as well. And why we do this is because it raises money for that, to send missionaries and the gospel to the ends of the earth, places that you and I will probably never go in our entire lives, but our money can help others go to see people hear the good news of Jesus Christ and be changed by Him. So I want to encourage you to be prayerful about your giving. When you're wanting to give, ready to give, you can do that through our app. You can go to the, download the app or go to our website and just designate as you give Christmas offering, or you can write a check, mark a Christmas offering, drop it in the offering boxes as you leave and 100% of that goes out to the International Mission Board for that Lottie Moon Christmas offering. But I want to take just a minute and pray for us. Pray for that offering and ask God's blessings on that and ask that the Lord would stir up in us as a congregation greater love and affection for His mission taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. So can we just pray just for a minute? Um, as you saw that video and saw all those faces, I just want to encourage you just to kind of play that back in your mind right now. There are billions, literally billions of people on earth who have never even heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not that they heard and rejected. They've never even had an opportunity. And, and an offering like this gives us a chance to provide that. So I pray God for us here in this room right now, Lord, that you would stir up in us a desire, a hunger, a longing to see the gospel go out to the ends of the earth. I pray, God, that you would empower us as we pray. God, I pray that we would, would lift up, um, Lord God, just a desire before you that you would take the gospel to the ends of the earth. I ask you, Lord, that we would give generously, sacrificially to help see that happen. And I pray, God, that you would raise us up in this room to even go, that we ourselves would go to places that are in need of Christ, whether it be short term, a week or two, whether it be longer, we're able to give a couple of months, or maybe even some of us in this room, God, we give our lives. The next chapter of our life, we just go and spend it overseas, seeing the gospel go to the unreached. I pray, God, however you desire to do that, raise that up in this room, Lord, for your glory. Thank you, Jesus. Do this in us for your glory fame of your name and the blessing and good of those who have been created in your image, people for whom Jesus, you died, and you desire that they hear that good news. I pray, God, that we would step up, be generous, gracious, sacrificial, and give and go and pray to see that happen for your glory. Thank you, Jesus. Do this in us, in your name. Amen.
Well, welcome again to you. So glad that you're here. We're in the midst of a series calling uh, Christmas More Than Tinsel and Toys. And we want to take a little time to focus in on the real meaning of Christmas and what God gives us through Jesus Christ coming to this earth to be the Savior for our sins. And what we're doing in this series a little different uh, than others is we're giving you a chance every week to hear uh, different pastors here at our church share God's word. So today you're going to get a chance to hear from Pastor Steve Aldi, who serves as the pastor of adult discipleship for us here. Uh, he oversees our small group ministry, Bible studies, journey groups, all of that. He oversees that, does just a fantastic job with that. So Pastor Steve, you come on up. Uh, I'm going to pray for you just for a second and cut you loose and let you go. Lord, I just thank you for Steve. I thank you, God, just for his heart. I thank you, God, for his love for you and for your word. I ask you, Lord God, that you would just bless and anoint your word proclaimed today. You would give us open eyes and ears and hearts to receive Jesus. And you do, Holy Spirit, what you desire in us for your glory. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Glad to be here this morning. I really appreciate working with my brothers in Christ, pastors, as we work together to complete your faith and joy in the Lord Jesus Christ, because that's really why we're here on the earth, is to know Jesus Christ, know the Father through him, and enjoy him more than anything else, because he is the source of all life. The true celebration of Christmas is more than things that we can see. Tinsel, presents, children opening packages, decorations, good food, I enjoy all those things. But if that's all that we're, our celebration is about, we've missed the whole point. Genuine celebration of Christian, it, Christmas is based on those things that we cannot see. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4.18, while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The world is too much with us, isn't it? How many of us get caught up in the things of this life and completely forget about who God is? You don't need to raise your hand. Many of us live at times in our life, maybe different proportions for different ones of us, as if God did not exist. We live as practical atheists. And each of us trying to find peace of mind, peace of heart in this life, seek it through things that can be seen and not the things that are not seen. And I'd like to bring your attention this morning to a passage in Isaiah chapter 9. If you can go ahead and turn there. The topic that I've been uh, assigned is peace. Pastor Brad last week talked, uh, spoke on hope. I'm speaking on peace and then the next two weeks we'll be speaking on um, joy and love. But in the context of chapter 9, uh, the chapters before Isaiah has been given uh, prophetic sight to see that God's um, judgment is about to come on the nation of Israel. They were having 
um, political unrest. They were having threats from a northern kingdom, Assyria. Um, they were dependent and self-reliant on their selves and their riches and their, uh, their uh, military. And in the midst of that, God speaks this prophecy. Verse 2, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. Now, it's interesting to me that the things that the, the uh, people of Israel, of Judah and the northern kingdom, Israel, were going through are the same things that we go through today. We look at our, our political situation today, and it is, in my mind, a time of real unrest, a time that can cause fear and anxiety. That's what was happening then. Not only that, the threat from within, there was a threat from without, and there is that here today. In the midst of that, God brings this prophecy of bringing light where there's darkness. And in verse 6, he makes it clear what this light is. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Verse 7, there will be no end to the increase of his government of or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Now we know when it says for a child will be born to us that this child is the Lord Jesus Christ. For in chapter 7, verse 14, the prophecy is, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's Isaiah 7, 14. And we know that this reference about this son is a fulfillment of the um, ultimate promise that God's kingdom would come through the seed of David. And that there will be no end to this kingdom. And it is assured, for the zeal of God will accomplish it. There is nothing, nothing, nothing that can stop the kingdom of God from coming and being sustained throughout all eternity. For this we are assured. But before we can, let me back up, my major concern in addressing you this morning is that we do not experience and enjoy the Prince of Peace to the proportion that we should be enjoying Him. We do not value our salvation to the proportion that really is its value because we don't value God for who he really is. Before we can understand the peace that 
God brings, we need to understand our need of peace, and we need to understand the kind or character of the peace that he gives. For without knowing who God really is, the ultimate and his ultimate purpose for which he created us, knowing the peace of God has no foundation. We need to know who God is, why he created us, and what's happened to us since the fall of Adam and Eve. Until we know the peace that passes understanding, until we know joy unspeakable and full of glory, until we know the hope of our salvation that makes us repeat with the Apostle Paul, to live is Christ and to die is gain, and until we know the infinite love of God towards us and prize him as our most valuable treasure, we have not understood who God is and what he has done through the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about this. If someone offends you, or excuse me, if you offend someone and they forgive you, that forgiveness is valued to you to the extent that you value the person that you've offended. Do you understand that? To the extent that you value a person that you offended is the value you will receive their forgiveness. You will value that forgiveness. If I offend someone that I don't know, and they forgive me, I have value of that. If I offend my wife, Charlie, and she forgives me, I treasure that. I am looking forward to her forgiveness. And not only that, the more that we understand the seriousness of our crime and our deserved punishment, the more we will value the mercy and grace given to forgive us and release us from the just punishment that we deserve. Let me repeat that. The more that we understand the seriousness of our crime and the deserved punishment that we should have, that our crime incurs, the more we will value the mercy and grace and kindness that we're forgiven of that crime. Are you with me? So the more that we value the person we have angered, the more we will value that person's smile towards us and acceptance of us in spite of our crime against that person. The problem is, is that sin has dulled our minds. Sin has corrupted our hearts that when we think about God, we don't see him for who he really is. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, for now we see in a glass or a mirror dimly, but then face to face. And this is why the Bible says in Psalms, be still, or the New American Standard says, cease striving and know that I am God. Why on earth does the Bible have to tell us to be still and know that he is God? That's Psalm 46, verse 10. In Psalm 100, verse 3, the psalmist writes, know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us 
and not we ourselves. That's a pretty tremendous scripture. That we have to be reminded that God created us. We didn't create ourselves. That he is the living God that created all things. So our ultimate problem is not the political situation. Our ultimate problem isn't our relationships with those we love. Our ultimate problem isn't uh, paying bills. Our ultimate problem isn't governments outside of our own that are a threat to us. The, our ultimate problem is we must reckon with God himself. In Genesis chapter 1, we'll get back all the way to the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And in verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Uh, back where I'm from, in the Washington, D.C. area, there's many circles. The streets go into these circles. In the middle of these circles, generally speaking, are these big statues. And these statues represent people of the past. And my question is, is why were these statues made and why are they there? The answer is, they're there to honor the person that they represent. They're there to honor and give glory to some, some aspect of that person that they represent. You and I have been created in the very image of God for one purpose, and that purpose is to represent the glory of God. It is to represent and honor him here on the earth. The problem is that you and I have chosen not to live that way. The problem is that you and I have chosen to live for our own glory, to live for ourselves, autonomous from God, and it's seen through how we try to justify ourselves before others. Uh, husbands, how many of you have been, has your wife criticized you of something and you knew, knew that 99% of what she was saying is true, but you defended yourself anyway? That 1%, I'm not as bad as you're thinking. You try to justify yourself. You try to put your best foot forward to to be seen as someone of worth in and of yourself. The problem is, is God didn't make us to be within and of ourselves. God made us to be dependent upon him and give him honor and glory and not ourselves. How many of you uh, uh, deal with low self-esteem, for example? There was no such thing as low self-esteem when we lived for the honor and worship of God. When we saw his glory, we weren't concerned about ourselves and our own value because we're consumed with the value and the treasure, the ultimate value of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we were created. The Bible says in Isaiah 43, 6 and 7, I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name and whom I have created for my glory, whom I have formed 
even whom I have made. You and I have been made for the glory of God, and we have chosen to give glory to ourselves and thus dishonoring him. We, have def we personally have defaced, distorted, and marred, and even vandalized the image of God. How? By living for our own glorification, for trusting in ourselves and not God's. So in dishonoring God, we deserve nothing but God's justice and his wrath. Romans 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse 18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. You and I, in and of ourselves, deserve nothing but God's wrath, his judgment. Why? Because we have willingly suppressed the truth about God to live our lives the way we want to. Our flesh does not want to submit to God, wants nothing to do with God. We say we love God, but we love a God of our imagination because the God of reality hates self-sufficiency, hates self-pride, and his wrath is poured out on those and abides upon those outside of Christ. Now, God's wrath is not capricious. It's not unpredictable or fickle. It is based upon his love for righteousness, a love for himself and his glory. And he created us for his glory. And as we have stepped out of that role, his wrath is kindled against us. There are plenty of verses in the Old Testament and New Testament that show this fact. Liberal theology wants to um, deny the very wrath of God. But if you read the Bible, uh, just a cursory reading, you realize that you and I, outside of Christ, deserve nothing but his judgment and wrath. How then could God bring peace to us that deserve nothing but his wrath? I just finished in 10 minutes um, the introduction. Now we're getting into the, ser the real sermon. <laughs> Romans chapter 3. Verse 21, turn your Bibles there. Paul answers the question. How can God bring peace to us that deserve nothing but his wrath? How can God bring peace to us and remain just and righteous? In other words, because God is just and holy, he cannot sweep our sin under, under a cosmic rug, as it were. Justice must be fulfilled. In verse 21 of chapter 3, Paul writes, But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned 
and falls short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through redemption, which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God he passed over the sins previously committed for the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time so that he would be just and the justifier of what the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. This passage is probably one of the most important passages of all the Bible. The word propitiation stands out in my mind. That God displayed Jesus Christ publicly as a propitiation, it says. And what is that? What does that mean? A propitiation speaks of the appeasement of an offended party from, from appeasement of wrath and anger. Propitiation is the satisfaction of God's just wrath towards sinners accomplished through the sacrificial death of the Lord Jesus Christ. He who knew no sin became sin for us. He who knew no sin became sin, took your and my sin upon himself and bore the brunt of God's wrath. He drank the cup of God's wrath to the dregs to fulfill all righteousness. He was buried, he was raised from the dead, and is alive today, and all that believe on him, no longer under judgment, no longer under the wrath of Almighty God, but are set free and are at peace with God. God's wrath has been appeased in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, giving us peace with God. We were once enemies, now at peace. This, peace, this kind of peace is not um, emotional peace, not the feeling of peace. It is objective peace. It is legal. It is peace based on legality, that justice has now been um, provided through the Lord Jesus Christ, no longer enemies, but at peace. In chapter 5 of the same letter to the Romans, verse 1, Paul writes, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. We stand in this. Is it assured? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, and we exalt in hope of the glory of God. Notice three things, three tenses in this passage. First, past tense, we have been justified by faith. It has been accomplished. And again, this justification is positional. It is objective. It is legal. It is forensic. has nothing to do with your feelings. But if you understand it correctly, feelings will come to you of gratitude and praise to the God that no longer judges you for your sins. Completed in Christ, you have been justified. 
present tense. Because you've been justified here and now, you have peace with God. This is why the baby in Bethlehem came, to take on your sin, to take on the full wrath of God, judgment satisfied. He is the propitiation that propitiates your sin. You've been set free at peace with God, present, future, and we exalt in hope of the glory of God. It says in uh, Romans chapter 8, in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. But if we hope for what we don't see, we eagerly wait for it. This brings peace to my heart, brothers and sisters, knowing that I just have a foretaste of the glory to come that I will see him face to face, I will know him as he is, and I will be transformed into his very image. But as I'm here, here and now, it's a different story, isn't it? If we read on in Romans chapter 5, verse 3 and 4, it says, and not only this, not only do we exalt in the glory to come, in the glory of God, but we also exalt in our tribulations. What's up with that? We not only give praise and rejoice in the future coming of the Son of God and seeing him face to face, but Paul is saying, not only this, but we exalt here and now in the tribulations that we face. What he's saying is that we can exalt in our current disappointments, we can exalt in our shattered dreams, we can exalt in broken relationships, we can exalt in physical, mental, emotional suffering, we can exalt in the tribulations that we face in this world. Jesus said, I think it was in chapter 17 of John, in this world you will have tribulations. Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And he now lives in believers, making us more than conquerors, more than overcomers, enabled to see and assess the situations, the circumstances in this life, even the tribulations from a different perspective, knowing why, why would we exalt in it? Because we see that God is working it for our good. We see that tribulation brings about perseverance, perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint, for the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Thank God for peace with God. But not only do we have peace with God, but God gives us his very peace. We have the peace of God. Jesus said in John 14, 27, peace I live with, leave with you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. 
Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Peace I leave you with, my peace I give you. Number one, he said, this isn't some peace that is separate from God that he gives you. This is his peace. He said, my peace I give you. God is a person who is at peace. And he wants you to enter into the peace that he enjoys. So Jesus says, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. How does the world give peace? How have you all attempted to have peace of mind and peace of heart? It doesn't have to be being an alcoholic or a drug addict. It doesn't even have to be all the gross sins that people get into. It can be entertainment. It can be trying to find that perfect relationship. Usually what it is, is our perceived ability to control life circumstances so that they work out for us so that we can have peace within the circumstance that we have. But how many of us get angry at the other person because they're not following our script? It's always someone else that is ruining my peace, right? That's how the world gives peace. We're not in control of circumstances. Just think of those people that in the southern Midwest that went through those tornadoes. If they are dependent up upon circumstances to maintain their peace, they have no peace right now. Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful, because he gives you his peace. In verse 33 of chapter 16 of John, Jesus says, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. Take courage. I have overcome the world. It's interesting. He says, these things I have spoken to you. Why? So that in me you may have peace. He said things. He spoke words so that we might have peace. Now, we don't have the Lord Jesus Christ in physical body here, do we? But the Holy Spirit enlightens our minds to his words through this book. He said these things to you and I, so that we might have peace. And I can say, from the authority of just what Jesus said, if you're not reading this book, seriously, looking prayerfully, meditating on the word of God, you do not have God's peace. How can you? My goal is to read this every morning and spend at least an hour, at least meditating on this, and I struggle with having peace 
with God and the peace of God. If I didn't ever open this book and seriously read this book, I would be a basket case. Many of you might be basket cases inside, but you show a good front. God is calling us to be men and women of integrity, to really know his peace. Not only to know peace with him, no longer enemies, but actually know this peace that passes all understanding. Which brings me to this verse in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Paul writes, be anxious for nothing. Everyone say, for nothing. That means don't be anxious for anything. But in everything, everyone say everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I take this to mean that we go to God as the sovereign Lord of all creation, knowing that he has all power and all might. He knows all things. He can do all things. He is all wise. He has my best interest in mind for his glory. When I go to him in prayer, I cast the anxiety. I cast the stress that is caused by me trying to be in control, I'm giving it to him, I'm making my request known, I'm relying upon him, I'm trusting him to answer in his good time according to his will, and I'm at rest. And he gives peace that passes all comprehension. And in closing, Not only are we given peace with God and know the peace of God because we trust him, but we can know the peace of God that satisfies us. Jesus said, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. He who comes to me he who believes in me. See the parallel there? I am the bread of life. He who comes will not hunger, and he who believes will never thirst. Coming to Jesus is equated in this verse with believing in Jesus. And in coming to him, our hunger is satisfied and our thirst is quenched. Those of us that are hungry are not at peace. Those that are hungry and are trying to be satisfied in the things of this world and the creation instead of the creator will not have peace because that hunger will continually nag at your soul. But Jesus says, come to me be satisfied in me and being satisfied we have peace with him another point out of this just quickly 
is that believing on the Lord Jesus Christ is not merely believing in a proposition, not merely believing I'm forgiven at one time or another, and, there, and not, I'm just going to live the way I want to live for the rest of my life, but I know I'm forgiven because back in 19-something or other, I committed my, or I confessed my sin, and I believe he's my Savior. No, because believing in Christ is coming to Christ. It is ongoing relationship with Christ. It is an ongoing feeding of Christ and being satisfied in Christ. If you want peace of God, you need to know Christ and find satisfaction in him above all things. So it's not merely a one-time belief in a proposition but it is a continued faith in, trust in, hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And through him, we have peace because he is the Prince of Peace. The Bible says, I'm going to skip that. Go ahead to the next slide. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. light. The question I have for you, believers, do you know this peace? Do you still yearn in your heart to know this peace with God and the peace of God? I encourage you not only to come here Sunday morning to hear the word of God preached, but to personally open your Bible on a daily basis and devote yourself to meditating upon and beginning to understand who this God really is. He is the great and almighty God. He is the father of all eternity. He spoke the worlds into existence and made you and I into his image. And even though you and I have grievously sinned against him, as sheep we have all gone astray, but he took on the punishment you and I deserve. And he did so in a way that it is finished. No longer do we struggle to be right with God because God has legally proclaimed and credited to your account that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. But that's just the beginning. The obstacle of wrath has been taken out of the way. We have now been brought to the Almighty God to know him, to love him, and enjoy him forever. And now he calls upon us to seek him that we have got a foretaste of to get to know him better, to enjoy him more, and give glory to him. And if you don't know him, he is here. I don't mean here in the sanctuary. He is here everywhere. He is all present. His sacrifice is for you. He died even while you were an enemy of God, you were helpless, 
you were a sinner and you were ungodly. Why? To make you the righteousness of God in him so that you can enjoy him forever, which will give glory to him forever. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you especially that your word points to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ in whom we have our hope, in whom we love because he loves us, in whom is our peace, in whom we have the greatest joy. We thank you, Father, and pray that you'd open the eyes of our understanding to see him more clearly, love him more dearly, and live for him with all of our hearts. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If any of you... Um, have any questions or need prayer, I will be up here. Uh, Pastor Brad will be up here. We'll be glad to pray with you. God bless you. Amen. Well, as Pastor Steve said, as we close our time here this morning, if you'd like to come talk. Pray, we'd love to do that with you, uh, especially also if you're a guest with us, I'd love to meet you. Uh, I'll be up front here, I'd love for you to come up just to say hello. Uh, but if you are a guest as well, um, even if you don't come up and say hi to me today, I'd love for you to do me a favor, just very simply grab your cell phone and text the word CONNECT to our number on the screen, 910-424-1298. Just text CONNECT there, we'll send you a quick link. Tap on that, answer a couple of questions. Just so we know you are here, we'll be praying for you this week. Uh, and if there's any way that we can minister to you better, please let us know. Again, we're just so glad that you're here today. But for everyone, um, uh, we have three big announcements for you. We want everyone to know three big things of what's going on around here, how you can be connected. Three big Christmas announcements. Number one is this. Our uh, Christmas Eve service is going to be Christmas Eve at 5 o'clock right here in the sanctuary. Please come. It's going to be a wonderful night for us just to gather together, spend a little time singing, worshiping, praying, sharing communion together. Uh, we'll have you out back in your cars and gone by 6 so you can get back out to your other Christmas activities. But we'd love for you to come and be a part of that Christmas Eve at 5 o'clock. Also during that service, we're going to give you a special time to share a quick word about what God has done in your life. Uh, it just We're calling it a cardboard testimony, a chance for you to have on one side who you were and then flip and see who Christ has uh, made you to be. And, and so real quick, I want to show you just a, a, a video to explain a little bit about what that is. So just watch the screen. like a hurricane I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy
if you've already signed up to be a part of that, there's going to be uh, a meeting directly after the 11 o'clock service in our multimedia room, which is the room directly behind the sanctuary. Just go out either door, walk down that way, you'll hit it. If you've already signed up, please be a part of that meeting after the 11 o'clock service. If you haven't signed up yet, but you're just still interested, you'd like to hear more about it, you can be a part of that meeting as well. Just a chance for you to hear a little bit more, ask a question, and see if that's something you'd be interested in being a part of. So don't forget that. Uh, and then one last Christmas announcement. December 26th was the, the, the day after Christmas. December 26th, we're just going to have one service on that Sunday, all right? One service at 11 o'clock. One service, no child care, no journey groups, just one service in here together, 11 o'clock on December 26th. So remember that. And for any other announcements that we have, you can download our app. Southview Baptist Church, you'll get all of our information. You can get push notifications for wherever announcements are coming in. You can find a journey group. Give online through the app. You can give through the app or in the giving boxes as you leave, whatever works best for you. But uh, download that app. That's the best way to stay connected with what's going on around here. Isn't it great to know that because of faith in Christ, we get to have peace with God? And because we have peace with God, we now get to walk in the supernatural peace of God. Isn't that unbelievable? You get that as a follower of Christ. And if that's something that you're struggling to walk through, we want to help you do that. And again, as service ends today, myself, Pastor Steve, will be up front. We'd love for you to come by and talk with us. We'd love to encourage you and pray with you, all right? So let's close our time out here this morning. Lord Jesus, we just thank you. We thank you, Jesus, that you came, even though that we sinned grievously against you, even though that we rebelled in every way imaginable, even though that we, like sheep, went off our own way thinking we could be our own shepherd. Jesus, you came and you rescued us by taking our punishment on the cross. And as a result of that now, we get to have peace with God and walk in the peace of God. Lord, just thank you, Jesus, for doing this in us. I pray, God, that this reality, this truth that you are the Prince of Peace who came at that Christmas to give us your peace. I pray, God, that truth just resonates so deep in our hearts. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for doing what only you can do and that we get to receive that by faith in you. We love you, Lord. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you so much. Have a great week.